Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 139th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have some big news and I've watched some things and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. We have two big things in the news this week. The first one is an update from Sailor Moon Cosmos. So this is the Sailor Moon films that are coming out in the summer. We finally got the dates specifically. So the two films will be coming out in June, first on June 9th and then on June 30th, also known as Usagi's birthday. And we also got a new trailer, which finally revealed both the voice and the visuals for the Sailor Starlights, who we are all very excited to see in this rendition of the Sailor Moon franchise. We also got the th- three voice actresses. So that would be Marina Inoue, Saori Hayami, and Ayane Sakura. They have all previously voiced Magical Girls. Two of them have voiced uh, Pre-Gear. <laughs> so it is definitely really exciting to see these women come back to voice more magical girls. It's all very exciting. I myself am about to start a journey uh, this week where I'm going to try to go through the entirety of this iteration of Sailor Moon up to the Eternal films. Uh, Luckily, I have some time to kind of get through each arc uh, one by one. So it's not not too much at once. But I am really looking forward to getting all caught up so that I can enjoy Cosmos in June. Next in the news, we got an update from the Magical Destroyers franchise. So this is a series that is uh, set to come out in April, but they made an announcement of an opening of a media mix for the series. So they are going to be launching a smartphone game that is a tie-in to the universe. It seems to be a kind of MMO type of uh, mobile game, and that will come out in February. And they announced a new Magical Girl that is exclusive to the game, named Magical Girl Peace, who is voiced by Sumire Uosaka, who is pretty well known for a variety of roles. Most people probably know her as uh, Lum currently in Urusei Yatsura, but she also is the voice of Cure Cosmo in Star Twinkle Precure. In any case, it's very exciting to see her continue to get lots of work. And the game looks like it might be interesting. So I will, at the very least, give it a download in February. (laughs) But with that, that's all the news that we have for this week. So let's get into what I've been watching. Of course, we have to talk about Delicious Party. As unspoilery as possible, as expected from the second to last episode of a season, this was really killer. We had really great uh, animation work from... A lot of our big hitters, I know that we were able to see a lot of really great skills and sketches from the animators over on the socials and stuff. The action was amazing. The emotional bits were amazing. And I am going to be really sad to see this season go. I really had a great time the whole way through. That being said, I'm in the start of a kind of rewatch technically as Miracle of miracles, I do not know why, my spouse, my very darling spouse, decided that they wanted to start watching Precure. And so they started 
last week. Uh, We're up to episode four of Delicious Party, and it's been really fun to start over (laughs) with them. And they are pretty much just completely unaware of most spoiler things. They got a little bit of spoilers because they went on the website. But other than that, you know, it was (laughs) uh, it's been really fun to to get back to this and the journey of suddenly being married to someone who is actually interested in precure is amazing and I'm loving every minute. As for other series, I am in the middle of quite a few Magical Girl shows at the moment, but unfortunately I haven't actually finished watching anything else, but I will definitely keep you up to date when that happens. So for now, let's get to today's topic. So today we are going back to the world of live action magical girls, specifically girls heroine. It's been a minute, but we are finally back to this franchise. I feel more and more like I need to space this franchise out because we only have five seasons of this franchise. So we are talking today about Polisu Senshi Rava Patorina or Police Heroine Love Patrina. This was very interesting to to watch and uh, the first time around I actually watched it just for fun and then I got to watch it again for the podcast and I felt that even in the small span of time between watchings my feelings on the series changed a lot so it was a lot of fun to talk about and it was a lot of fun to talk specifically to my guest today Danielle Huli who is just a delightful person Um, you can find them always chatting in the discord She's really lovely, he's really cool, and I just really can't wait to let you all get to meet them. (laughs) Just some little things off the top for this episode. Um, We do have some warnings, so naturally we are going to be talking about the reality of police in the real world, so be warned about that. I talk a little bit in this episode about the reality of police in Japan. Not in a ton of detail, but I do cite specific cases of police violence. And we also have case within the series itself of fat phobia and cultural insensitivity. So please keep that in mind if you are watching for the first time or just getting into this episode without watching. Um, With that, I think that's everything. So please sit back and relax and enjoy this episode about Love Patrina, which is truly one of the silliest things we've seen in a while. Enjoy! Here today to discuss Police Heroine Love Patrina, the fourth girls heroine series from 2020, and I'm delighted to welcome a new guest. Can you please introduce yourself? I think that proper way to introduce uh, for this episode is saying Oharina. I'm really delighted uh, to be here today, really. My name is uh, Danielu, Danielu Juli. My pronouns are uh, whichever you want. Just mix it up, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it's an odd request, uh, she, her is okay. Okay, great. Yes. So what is uh, your history or relationship with the magical girl genre? Um, I'm from the 90s, like 
most uh, guests. <laughs> but, well, when you say from the 90s, usually you get uh, animation or comics fan. There's another way. Mine was with video games. Mm. To be more clear about it, it was with the Sailor Moon side-scroller beat up video game. Mm. That was my first interaction. I found it in a bootleg cartridge <laughs> for a bootleg console, but it was the same software that the, it was used in, in some Japanese arcades. Oh, oh, that's what I'm told. No? It was in Japanese. I didn't understand a thing at the time, but I loved it. It, it was a new kind of character that you could play with. Usually for games in that era, you got a really mo guy with a lot of muscles or you got a, a cartoon character. <laughs> so mm -hmm. seeing uh, a couple of girls uh, attacking, playing with them, it was really, really interesting for me. Their designs were amazing. I used to play with Minako and Makoto, but I didn't know their names or anything. It was one of my favorite games, uh, to be honest. Some years later, the show began to be broadcast in the Spanish dub here in my country. I was really shocked at, at the start because I was like, oh my God, the girls from the video game. They have a television show. So I watched it. It was really hard to get with my, my schedule with the school at the time. Uh, but I, I tried my best to watch it. Honestly, didn't like it as much. I was more into the video game. Interesting. Yeah, I was more like, nah, yeah, the, the show is cool, but the video game is better. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Some years later, it came here, the Spanish for Sakura Carcaptor, and also for Magical Doremi. Mm. That really was, that really kicked in. I connected with the genre at the time. What really got me deeper and total, totally lost here was when I started watching Akasuki Chacha mm. around the 2000s. That anime, I found it in thanks on Im images on the internet because I really like the story of Red Riding Hood. Mm -hmm. And I was, okay, Red Riding Hood, uh, anime, maybe I find something to use as a display, uh, profile picture or something. I, I don't remember. And found that show. It was hard to get because the internet wasn't really a thing in, in my small town. So I had to get a bus to visit my grandma's in the, in the city. And near her was a place with computers and all that stuff where you can get one hour of internet uh, browsing. There I got help to, to burn uh, some CDs with Akazuki and Chacha episodes mm. and brought them back with me to my town and watched with my little brother. 
I I use my lunch money to buy that and pay for that. <laughs> you really worked hard for it. it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great adventure. <laughs> there I found out that Doremi had more seasons. Mm -hmm. Because we only got uh, the first season broadcasted on TV. Hmm. And I always believed that it ended sad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, my God, I love Doremi, but why the TV show has to be so sad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that there was more links to the internet and found all Tokyo Meow Meow, You for Princess Valkyrie. Years later, I learned that was called Magical Girls, but at the time was like, I don't know, this kind of series I found more interesting than Dragon Ball Z or Full Metal Alchemist or Naruto. Mm. I, I found this other more interesting, and I used to play with my friends or my brother eh, to be a magical girl at the time. Usually it wasn't well received, mm. but the important thing is they are a really important part in my life now, mm. and I think that forever. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify before, because you said uh, your country, if you're comfortable with sharing uh, where you're from. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm from Colombia hmm. in South America. Encanto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is uh, your, I guess, relationship to Magical Girls these days? These days? Well... I question almost everything that I like since the 2000s. Uh, I really watched a lot from from there. But we have now various demographies. Mm -hmm. So I usually more into family-friendly and for young audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some teenage audiences, but uh, that, that usually comes with a lot of problematics elements mm -hmm. that I'm not really into, and I really hate the more mature audiences that not only has the problematic elements I don't like, but also adds other lot of elements that I I don't really enjoy. But mm. I, I tried to watch before saying like, no, no, really? No. <laughs> so yeah, and almost in general, not, not just with Magical Girls, uh, I'm more into family-friendly shows, really. Mm. Mostly cartoons. So... Uh, talking about love, but is a huge like exception. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and if it's okay to ask, I know you recently did a panel on was it on magical girls in general or on Precure? I can't remember which. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah, I was invited to. We have here a Comic Con and another bigger convention. It's called SOFA. 
So mm-hmm. for Comic Con, they contacted me and I did a panel about Precure. Just uh, what is it? Uh, the story, the creation, what elements has, how it's so similar to Super Sentai or Kamen Rider, more that anything. It was really, really interesting. And they asked me to do, to try another one for the next convention, but more about Magical Girls. So there I did a really long timeline. It was like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I had there like 200 names for just Mm -hmm. shows. Yeah. I mean, usually here or, well, maybe everywhere, people think that the magical girl genre is only just like 10 series <laughs> maybe is <laughs> <laughs> like okay someone says like oh yes i'm really 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 into magical girls and they like yes like three the same three or five it's, it's okay it's okay i mean it's not something bad mm-hmm. but they're just so many that you could talk about mm-hmm. and I was really excited to do that panel because I could show just how many are and why some were creators, how some elements from the 80s are still present today, how it was all connected maybe to uh, the possibility that women could start voting and all that. I, I really, really enjoyed that panel and hope people who went to it uh, also did. I, I actually remember one of the girls that went to it when I finished everything. She come near to ask me some uh, notes because she told me that she was doing a work on, on magical girls, but haven't found any information in Spanish. Mm. So I was really happy to hear that and hope she's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like recent now. It'll be long history by the time this episode comes out. But, um, you know, the Spotify unwrapped stuff is all like the rage all, all over the Internet. And for this podcast, they told me that, like, there was a huge spike in a few different countries that were, like, new this year. Like, in general, I appreciate every place that has listeners of the show. But um, one of them was Colombia. And I was like, wow, that's interesting that there's a lot more Colombians listening this year. <laughs> I wonder if that's anything to do with the panel and stuff, because I know that you had uh, mentioned uh, the podcast there. Um <laughs> Yes, yes, I did mention the podcast. Oh, I, I hope really that mm-hmm. was was thanks to me. I, I, I don't know, but, <laughs> but I, re- I really hope. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like, uh, I know that there are, of course, always going to be language barriers and stuff, but it's like, if not for the sole reason of magical girls, like I really got to study Spanish so I can like, you know, really be more in touch with the Spanish speaking world, especially Latin America, because of course, there's just so much there. And 
so many original comics and stuff that I can't read yet, so I need to hurry up and study. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm here to help you if you ever need it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> As a little little note, mm -hmm. we had a lot of Magical Girl series uh, dubbed in Spanish. Mm. Well, not so many as they are, but a little known. And I'm really fond to the Tokyo Meow Meow dub mm -hmm. because it was made here in Colombia. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. That's rare, yes. isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's, it's really rare. Where, I mean, usually goes to Mexico mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe Venezuela or Chile. Mm. So it's really rare to have any other job done anywhere else. Yeah. We here in Colombia have just, we, we have little ones like mm. Rurouni Kenshi or maybe Sakura Wars. But mm. Those are big series. Have, <laughs> yeah, well, little ones, I mean, not so much uh, serious. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we had Tokyo Meow Meow, and we have a Glitter Force Doki Doki. Ah, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fun facts here. <laughs> yeah, so getting into uh, today's topic. So, of course, we're here to talk about Love Patrina, or Love Pat for short. This is the fourth season of Girls Heroine. For any listeners who aren't aware of this particular franchise, this is, you know, a live, or I should say, this was a live action series with special effects, so also known as a tokusatsu series. There are five seasons, and so we're talking about the fourth one. And um, the one previous to this was uh, Secret Heroine Phantom Mirage, which we also have an episode about. What we have here is a police motif magical girl series. It's like they are police. It's in the name, but it's very. Um, it's a very small touch to the main bit of all of this, to be perfectly honest, but um, we have uh, three heroines at the start of the series. So Tsubasa Aiba is Love Pat Pink, Sarai Shihara is Love Pat Purple, and um, Kohana Aose, who's the new girl at school, becomes Love Pat Blue. They're accompanied by their fluffy bunny mascot, Love Pyoko, and they also have their own headquarters. So they have a leader who is uh, Captain Love G, and Another upperclassman at school, uh, a boy, Hayato Kenzaki, becomes the Love Pat chief. Finally, also, uh, Soda Nanido also joins as a Love Pat supporter. In the meantime, she usually is doing like research and things like that. She wants to help, but she's not. She doesn't feel like she can be a fighter. So she's helping yeah. out how she can. Yeah. So they're all fighting against the Waru Pyoko gang, which is led by Waru Pyoko, uh, who's another small, adorable rabbit with a yeah, kind of kabuki mask uh, motif. And uh, all the major players outside of the kids who join Love Pet are aliens from the planet of Mimi Pyoko. The Waru Pyoko gang has uh, three lackeys, three minions, Warine, Pakun, and Urincho, but Mostly what we see are just Pakun and Nincho doing all the work. So they look around town for signs of people's love. And it can be any kind of love, right? It can be the love of a mother. It can be the love of someone making sweets. It can be the love of a librarian and so on. But when they find this love, they capture it with this uh, love Pakun kind of weird little... I don't want to say alien. It, it is an alien, but it, it is like 
kind of this weird little yeah, creature. Yeah, <laughs> it's like extraterrestrial creature. Let's yes, yes. say it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A green creature. Yes, and so the love pakun consumes the person's love, turning them into a love zero. Uh, so it's up to love pat with the help of their own uh, cards, which uh, often give them form changes and so on. They have to uh, first declare a love crime, and then they love arrest <laughs> the love pakun. So if it's not clear from my description here, uh, because of the especially silly nature of the series the words love and pyoko are used a lot so it's okay if you get confused <laughs> yes a lot in all the whole series is, yes, is yes. The, the main <laughs> source <laughs> yes yes i've heard a lot from from other viewers of this this particular season that if you don't like the word pyoko you're going to hate it by the end of the series but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Daniel, what is your history with this series like it, it can be girls heroine or just love patrina in particular actually love patrina was my first love oh heroine interesting yes i had many friends on the internet so one of them is, is from japan and we talk almost every week about precure Hmm. Another non-magical media, but mostly magical girls. Where I'm kidding. So he told me about this franchise. Um, I'm used to watch um, live, Precure Pokemon or anything. I'm used to watch live and later repeat it with subtitles. Mm -hmm. So he told me that around the same time that Super Sentai is on, on TV Asahi. Uh, there's this other series, other franchise in TV Tokyo. Yes. About um, magical girls. First I was like, okay, it's not, not animated. Okay, I'm really not interested. <laughs> <laughs> but I really check a little bit of um, Phantom Mirage. Mm-hmm. And he explained it to me that it was a generational thing, that the team changes every year, really similar to Precure, and that Phantom Mirage is, it was almost going to end. So hmm. maybe I should try the new one, whatever it comes. It sounded to me really the idea of that. I could be, okay, maybe I'm missing a lot of things, but I should try it. Okay, mm -hmm. let's go with with whatever comes after Phantom Mirage. And it was Love Patrina. So mm -hmm. my first impression, it really scared me, the <laughs> Love Pyoko. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, Love Pyoko. I mean, the promotional image was uh, cartoony. So Lapaco was drawn really cute. It was super cute. And all the girls were all these chibi images. Uh, really cute. So I tried and when I saw the Lapaco puppet, <laughs> the eyes or the expression, it was kind of creepy at first. Mm. But even if at first it's creepy, um, 
you really grow to like Lopioko. <laughs> it's a really cute character. So yeah, the first three seasons of Girls Heroine, they had, of course, mascots because you need mascots to sell those particular types of toys. But they were always CG, right? Like, in fact, in uh, Miracle Tunes, they like live inside the, the little wristwatches and stuff. And so... It was like very surprising for a lot of people that Love Pyoko turned out to be this puppet. And they continued to do the same thing for the next series, Kinemiki Powers, which ended up being the final series of this franchise. Yeah, sadly. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll see what and, happens next year, but, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I hope it comes back because they really did a good job, an amazing job with the puppet for Kiramiki Powers. Himenian mm. is so, so cute. She is so very cute, adorable. it's true. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I was just going to say that they did the CGI mascot thing. Mm. So it was a first one, but yeah. I think I like more Warupyoko's puppet that love Pyoko's puppet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah. He is cute, even if he doesn't want to admit that he's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yes, all this kabuki makeup and the way mm-hmm. he talks mm-hmm. is, is so, 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 so cute. Yeah. And they also release a video game for Love Patrina, Love Pat. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, <laughs> being faithful to my roots, I got the video game for Nintendo Switch. Hmm. It came with one of the cards they use in the in the show. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. It has many activities. Uh, when you play with them is the the cartoon design. Hmm. So but when you have like have them talking is with their live action costumes and photographs Hmm. it's interesting yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. yes i really like love uh, love pat i continue watching to kiramiki powers and went back to watch maji maji pures and miracle tunes I think I'm just missing Phantom Rush. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be very interesting. I can't wait to hear what you make of that because obviously they're all very different series, but I think that the pair of Phantom Mirage and Love Pat are very interesting back-to-back, having the Phantom Thief series, which is honestly very anti-police, and then having Love Pat where the police are the heroes. The other thing that's really interesting about this season in particular, I can't really speak to Kirameki Powers. I'll, I'll look carefully at it when I watch it again. But it feels very clear to me that there was a difference in the budget by the time we got to this season. So like budget in terms of uh, filming. So there's a lot more stock footage uh, done especially by the end. And then there's also just a budget in terms of costumes. So even though they have costume changes, their costumes barely change. It's just they remove their police hat and it gets replaced by something else. And and the same thing was with like Hiramiki Powers as well. But compared to like Miracle Tunes where they got completely different outfits all the time, which were so awesome. It's a clear difference between the two series in terms of, of that. So it's uh, interesting to make that comparison. But I really enjoy the kind of different theming that we have. So like, I think also the naming conventions of this series are a little, a little simple, but it's fine. 
simply is the best some, some people say <laughs> that's true yeah so love pet pink has like kind of an animal theme so from the beginning of the series she has merry mode which is actually like a sheep mode and she uses that to put people to sleep and then she has has a cat mode as well oh, yes, the cat the cat mode yes, yes. so she does like cat like so... things it's very cute Sarai, who is also an important character because she appears in Phantom Mirage as a villain. Now she's a hero. Her whole thing is um, she has like food-based things, particularly sweets at the beginning. So she has candy mode and parfait mode, which is very cute. <laughs> and then Kohana, who's very floral themed, she has different flower modes. So in particular, like uh, sunflower mode and rose mode. So it's it's pretty cute. It's pretty silly. But yeah, so like there's a lot of different things uh, going on with the series. Even from the other Girls Heroine series, it's very different. But thinking about it as a magical girl series, it's like one of the most ridiculous series in a way that's kind of great. Yes. All things considered. I was not prepared to enjoy this series as much as I ended up enjoying it. So, <laughs> yeah. So before we get into more like plot stuff, I'm curious, uh, who are your favorite characters of this franchise they are Subasa mm -hmm. and Sarai mm. I also like a lot Warupioko <laughs> <laughs> and Bakuwa Rinjo mm. the characters are very very uh I don't want to say flat but they they're very simple in a lot of ways in terms of especially the with the villains but they're kind of fun because like there's no rhyme or reason to the way that the Waterpyoko gang are dressed or anything. There's no like matching theming to them or anything. They just all have like these random, like very, very strange costumes and so on. And there's like this use of very irregular makeup, right? Very bright colors and things. And that's kind yes. of fun. Yes, yes, yes. In particular, uh, Rincho wears a, a skirt as well, which is interesting because he seems to be male-coded and no one comments on it. It's just a thing. It's fine. And I kind of love that like Warine literally only actually attacks once. Otherwise, she just stays inside the headquarters for, for Waterpyoko Gang the whole show and just complains. The whole show. It's pretty mm -hmm. amazing. <laughs> the, the other two do all the job. I love how the makeup they use. Mm -hmm. yeah, the lipstick is so, so bright. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, hypnotic seeing then Angel in the Kawaii when they trans they take the love from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they're always like, I wonder what is gonna happen with this love zero and then it happens and oftentimes they're also the victim of the love zeros, which is very funny. <laughs> yes. And then yeah, they always say like, Wow, it's so scary to lose love and it's like it's just it's such a simple thing, but it's so it's so fun. But yeah, so like, you know, we have these really interesting characters and we'll definitely get more into the characters that come later and so on. But uh, it's we get like pretty impressive arcs for all the characters as well. So like even if the characters are fairly simplistic compared to some other Magical Girl series you might expect, they all do have a full arc. They take the time to do these like character focuses and, and so on. So it's pretty effective in, in that way. But yeah, so why don't we talk about the time Love Pyoko became a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, this is episode five. So by this point, we have all of our uh, our members saved for Hayato because we start with the first episode, we get Tsubasa, right? And then we get Love Hat Purple, Sarai. And then we get uh, Soda joining the team as a supporter. Can, can and, I um, comment a little oh, bit yes. about uh, Sarai's episode? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because I, I found it, I don't know, it's just my impression. But mm -hmm. it really felt like her catch precure the episode with Cure Marin when Erika was, mm. I will transform in a precure. And Sarai is really, really has the same attitude. So mm -hmm. she was like, oh, I really want to become a Lopatrina. Yeah. It really felt similar for me. So I'm very curious, like, because you haven't watched Phantom Mirage, do you think that this show gave you enough information about Sarai to understand, like, where she came from? Yes, yes, it gave mm. me a lot. Uh, because they also mention it when the Phantom, uh, the Phantom E crew appears. Mm -hmm. They're really close to Sarai. They talk about it. If I'm not wrong, there's a little bit of flashback. Hmm. And there's also Sarai's father. Mm -hmm. Really, really, at the end of the series, they talk about uh, that they used to be evil. Yeah. So I was like, oh. It's so interesting how they do it because, you know, they have to do this, right? Like every year, a whole bunch of new kids start watching the show. And it's the same with Precure, right? Like now, naturally, it's also a great way to use up a whole bunch of stock footage and like old footage from previous seasons, which is kind of what was going on at the very end of the show. But it's really interesting to see how they were able to successfully deliver that story. Like as someone who did watch Phantom Mirage, of course, there's a lot of stuff that like really is very interesting to me, like the fact that her catchphrase in this series, Anzenida Butteru, is a reference to Phantom Mirage, in particular Saki's catchphrase, which is very similar. <laughs> and there's like some things that like, where it's like, okay, why did their last name change? It's clearly just to, she matches with being the purple character, because otherwise there's really no connection. It, again, it's very silly, but like I think that it's really interesting to see like how they were able to remind you and or or tell peep some people for the first time so that you could get enough information. But I do think that there's still more, of course, if you watch Phantom Mirage, it's gonna become even more uh, exciting to know that Sarai got this far. Her becoming this member was like very much a direct thing of well, she was a villain. Now she has the chance to become a girl's heroine just like her heroes you know her friends so it's like really exciting <laughs> for her um so of course as soon as she finds out she's like okay i gotta find out how to get to this but i do understand your comparison to kira Marine in hot catch freaker so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think they did it really well because i really got hooked and <laughs> everything and mm -hmm. just to understand what what else has this uh, girls heroine franchise to offer because mm. uh, they have so really good ideas going mm -hmm. down there. Uh, so they get to that and then again we get Soda like who is 
trying to help out um there's like this great feeling of like everyone trying to help out love pat in any way they can generally speaking even if they're not heroes themselves and uh so that's kind of how soda plays into things and then yeah we get to episode five and i'm curious about like why you brought it up because it's such an interesting like for me i thought it was a skippable episode but i'm very curious about your experience with this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i mean for me it was a really stressful episode <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, Love Pad is amazing, it's really family friendly, it's really for kids to enjoy with their family and everyone mm. have a good time. But the love zero for this episode was uh, a woman that turned animals into cookies. Mm -hmm. And she then filled the basket with the cookies of the, the animals she transformed. And sees Lopioko just chilling out <laughs> and <laughs> transforms Lopioko into a cookie. But he can still talk or think, transform into a cookie. So he's kind of suffering all the process <laughs> mm. uh, because it's a kidnap episode. I was so, so worried about a little <laughs> Lopioko. Mm. And that this woman then brings the basket to a table and says that it's going to eat all the cookies. So obviously, Lopioko is scared. It makes me think that also all the other animals are conscious about it and maybe scared in their uh, cookie form. Mm -hmm. So later, Lopioko can detransform and tries to escape in a really cartoony way. And then comes Love Patrina and starts trying to get back Love Yoko. And this Love Zero has again the cookie cutter to transform Love Yoko into the cookie again. And points to Love Yoko like it was a hostage situation now. So this escalated quickly. Mm -hmm. I remember the girls behind some some panels or something trying to like in the movies like okay come out with your hands in the air and we talk about this i think it was a little bit like um a difficult theme <laughs> to talk about it when it's not really fun to violence or hostage situation especially is, is a, it's a reality for most people i don't know if anyone else did but it really <laughs> stressed me a little bit that episode to be honest mm -hmm. no no i definitely understand like i think that when it comes to like the grand plot and stuff this doesn't really mean much but it's still like you know when you're watching a show you generally are watching episode by episode and it is kind of stressful like you don't want to see anyone get hurt and it's like you know usually she's a plushie so she feels pretty like safe like she's not gonna get injured or anything but then like having her be a cookie like cookies are very fragile and like not just yeah. her but all the animals as well like it's it's quite terrifying <laughs> so i definitely and, understand and, and as i said she is a cookie just 
saying that she was scared and everything just made me realize that maybe all the others animal other animals were scared also in yeah in definitely. this cookie basket just mm -hmm, you can't mm -hmm. hear them it's just see a bunch of cookies yeah yeah so getting to like kind of later things so you know we mentioned hayato joining the team He's pretty cool. He's an interesting kind of side character because he's definitely his own character. He has his own catchphrases and stuff. Yes. But he's not a hero, technically. Like, there's no... I mean, part of me did wonder, like, when it was airing, did anyone think that he was going to become a hero? You know, because, like, the franchise is called Girls Heroine. Like, it's a very female-centric. So I was like, is there going to be a boy's hero? What is happening? <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of, like, silly little things that come up. There's this kind of weird running, sometimes appearing plot about how um, if Love of Pyoko has, if she drinks this, like, this special drink that, like, you could only get, I guess, from their planet or whatever. There's a lot of other stuff about, like, ordering stuff online on, on definitely not Amazon. But um, if she drinks, like, 120-something of these these drinks, she suddenly has, like, an amazing power. Uh, yeah. This is, this so is. it's, like, not usually important, but it's, like, when they need something really big to yeah. happen. <laughs> is there. Um, Just uh, yeah. for your convenience whenever the plot requires. <laughs> sure. It's like, remember uh, your power? All right. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm missing just, uh, let's say, two drinks. <laughs> mm -hmm. everyone is kind of like becoming a whole team and everything and they're training together to become stronger uh stronger warriors as they fight characters each week and then um things kind of start to amp up a little bit in episode 11 where headquarters gets the news that there's going to be a new item arriving from Mim Pyoko. they have like this kind of evidence that there's a rocket coming but the rocket accidentally fell like uh, on a mountain. So they have to go to the mountain to find the rocket, but they're having trouble with that. And then also, uh, Water Pyoko gang also found out about this rocket somehow. So they're on the search for it. So um, we get this kind of like two parter episode where things get really serious with, you know, with the powers that the Water Pyoko gang ha are using that now. And then they need to actually get a new item. By the end of episode 11, then all three love pads are fighting off this guy who is, um, he's a photographer that they just kind of found on the mountain. And um, his ability is to take the kind of color out of the, the world. Yeah. Turns everything black and white, removes like basically all the happiness from, from something. And none of the girls have any powers that can actually fight it off. So they've used all their possible abilities at this point. And meanwhile, um, Sora is looking for the item and it ends up being in this very tiny rocket. <laughs> it was so it really took me off guard <laughs> because everyone was searching for a huge thing, but it was just a, a little toy rocket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, in the yeah. grass. I remember she was captured by Baku and Rinjo. Mm -hmm. She was uh, taken by them to to search for that. And they were really expecting to see one big thing. And right. Sora just sees something in the grass and was like, oh my God, that's the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah so you know Sora is like really really fighting like okay I gotta help like the girls need me and um, she goes to them and it turns out the item is actually a new transformation item um, so the other girls use something called the love pat shuffle which puts in the cards and they kind of it's more like analog I guess there's no like tech to it exactly it looks like if it was a toy parents probably would be kind of annoyed like and of course it is actually a toy so I don't know how parents actually reacted to it in real life but like I could see it getting a little tedious <laughs> Like, just messing with the yes. thing over and over. But in any case, she gets something called the Love Pat Skyrie, which is basically, it looks kind of like a little bit of a flip phone slash wristwatch situation and actually has a touchscreen. She uses this to become Love Pat Shine, who is a kind of rainbow-themed Love Pat. And she has powers that are, are focused around weather. So she has a kind of rainbow thing and she is able to use that to fight off the darkness and it's great. And now we have a four member team, which is what we have for the rest of the season. <laughs> I guess spoiler warning. I I feel like Zoda becoming Love Pat Shine, while exciting and different, is not as big a what's it called? Like a spoiler and it's also episode twelve. <laughs> Yeah, this episode was really so early. early. <laughs> um, so there's still a lot more stuff to happen. So definitely after this is like all the spoiler stuff, I feel like. But yeah. Even if it was uh, really early into the series, series mm-hmm. I feel it was really well done. Mm. I mean, uh, Sora was with them from really early in the series. And... I saw her and I was like, oh my god, Sora should be a love pet. But I think that all the transformation items are gone. So she's just helping the girls and doing the best she can not being a love pet. Mm-hmm. But when she finally became one, it was so exciting to see it. I'm I, I really gla- I'm glad she did. Yeah, you know, despite the short episode count, we do get that, like, actual character development, which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I should point out, like, a lot of girls' heroine is also very closely associated with the actual girl groups that they make up. And, of course, these four girls are the members of Lovely Lovely, but also only two of the girls went on to become part of Lucky Lucky, which is the next group, which is, like, basically the next mixed group of different seasons um, that follows along with Girls Girls which is from the earlier seasons and those two are um, the girl who plays Sarai and the girl who plays Sora I believe yes that sounds right I didn't knew about that I was like okay maybe Sarai and Suwasa I assume <laughs> <laughs> you would think right like they're, they're the yeah. two uh, biggest ones it's all about like who signs the contract right but um mm-hmm. <laughs> It's very interesting to see who doesn't stay as well, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sarai comes from Phantom Mirage. It makes all the sense in the world that she mm-hmm. <laughs> keeps here. Yes. <laughs> so, like, as we continue on, you know, we have like this very slow build of like different things going on. So, Wadapuko bought a mysterious egg that apparently holds Satan inside. Yes. That's what the internet said. So that's very exciting. <laughs> but 
Also, shortly after we got Love Pat Shine, we got another interesting thing, which is um, the girls get invited to be on television. And through a series of wild events with a Love Zero in the studio, they have to transform live on television. <laughs> and it was like, it's either this or like everyone is, is uh, in trouble. So we got to go ahead and do it. And so um, that is episode 14. And after that, uh, everyone knows their identities, which is a very interesting premise. So suddenly they're like super famous and stuff and everyone just like recognizes them and they go through some interesting, interesting situations regarding that as well, including getting a recording deal and, and all this stuff. And then Love Pyoko can actually go into the Love Skyrie, uh, Love Pass Skyrie. And so there's kind of a whole situation, a very Tamagotchi style, where they can take care of her inside there and her love uh, her love meter goes up and whenever it goes all the way up, they get a new card. So it's a very interesting system. <laughs> yeah, a new yeah. kind of power up there that it builds to the moment. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. They each of them get a new card and that's very interesting because they're all like... They're part of the same family, but they're a little extreme. So um, the most important for the history of Magical Girls is Rex mode for a love that thing. <laughs> because this is the only time that I have been able to find a connection between Magical Girls and dinosaur themes, <laughs> which is very interesting. It was really interesting to Rex mode because also she was like animals, right? You mm-hmm. have a T-Rex. <laughs> Yes. It's really interesting. For me, it was Sarai's one. Mm, it's very unique. <laughs> yeah, it was all these kind of sweets, dishes, and everything. And suddenly, curry mode. Yes. <laughs> it's super spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why curry? Even she was like, what? <laughs> I, I really love it. I mean, yeah. usually you get uh, cute with the uh, parfaits, with the candies. And so seeing it as a dish, uh, a salty <laughs> one, a spicy one, is really, really interesting and funny for me. Yeah. I don't know. For all these power-up dishes um, or power-up cards, we only see them use it once. Yes. <laughs> so when Love Pat Pink gets Rex mode, she like does normal dancing, but her dances are suddenly like dinosaur power-ish. So like she's causing earthquakes. It's very funny. I also need to point out that that episode, the Love Zero and the character that becomes a Love Zero is a direct reference to a real life music producer. And it's really funny to me. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea. It's not like a huge deal or anything, but yeah. So the producer who is acclaimed to be world famous in this uh, in this episode. His name in the series is Yasukata Tanaka. He's a reference to Yasutaka Nakata, who is a producer. Um, he is, I think, probably most well-known for being the producer behind Perfume, but he also does his own work as Capsule and produces a whole bunch of other artists and stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was really funny because, like, they've done this before, right? But it's, like... For me, I was like losing my mind, basically. <laughs> it was like, I can't believe they referenced Sky on in this show. But yeah, so so they get like those cards and then 
Kohana gets uh, cactus mode, which is really fun. <laughs> Again, also like kind of a little aggressive, right? I, I like, I kind of like that, like with all these mode changes. And then um, Soda gets uh, thunder mode, which is fun as well. A little, little different. Again, they end up only using these all like one time, but it's still exciting. And then we get closer to um, the holiday season and Wadopyoko has been working very hard. We see him like trying to figure out how to properly incubate this egg, which looks like a, just a very wild egg with like these very spiky, very Maleficent-like adornments on My, it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a really evil egg. Yes, a variable egg, you know, it's like these horns and things. And, you know, he's like very excited, like Satan's in this egg and Satan's coming. The whole group is very uh, excited for it, obviously. And Love Hat has no idea this is happening. But it all comes to a head with the episode where they go to the hot springs in order to uh, take care of, of the egg. So basically, Pakun and Nicho have to go take the egg to the hot springs in order to like kind of warm it up enough that it'll finally hatch and during all of this again they become victims of the love zero who makes everything's too hot and in all of this uh, love pet pink takes care of the love zero and then ends up finding the egg and is like wow this is a weird egg and the others at, at headquarters had also noticed the egg on like camera and whatever so they were trying to investigate and so Soda finds out, because she still does like research and stuff, even though she's a love pat now, she finds out that this is supposedly the egg of a great demon, right? A great devil, like Satan. Yes. Just as they're trying to find out like what happened there and, and everything. And like Tsubasa was like, oh yeah, I found the egg and I took it home. And everyone's like, what? The egg hatches to reveal a character who is... Not Satan. <laughs> yeah, it was everything was built to this moment like oh the evil finally mm. is here, the final boss maybe Satan or, mm. I mean just just the name uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. gives you an idea of that right. it will be the the, the final <laughs> the final boss. <laughs> yeah. So we have to mention, so like we're saying Satan because we're speaking English, but uh, Satan in Japanese is pronounced Satan. In Spanish. Satan. Ah, yes. <laughs> makes sense. Naturally. But this is not Satan. It's Satan. So Satan is a very, uh, very clown-like character. The art style on her egg ends up becoming part of her clothes and she's got like like a lot of red makeup going on and she still has the horns but she's very clownish yes i i love all the clown related uh, mm -hmm. motifs I, I think clowns look actually cute <laughs> <laughs> so when seeing her design i was really excited mm. and we they came up with the name that it was satan wow Wow, like, big comedy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very interesting because I hate Satan a lot. I don't usually say oh, that no. about things. But um, <laughs> Satan is my sleep paralysis demon. Like, if I dream about her, it is a nightmare. I hate her voice. I hate everything about her. So for me, she is still a villain. But, like, I understand. <laughs> this is a show for children. This is not for me. I, that's fine. And Tsubasa loves her, so it's okay. But 
both times I watched this show, I had a hard time getting through these episodes, which is unfortunate because she's actually a very important character. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love that. But I understand your reason. <laughs> yes, I yes. mean... <laughs> I have no judgment for anyone who likes her, so no worries there. But <laughs> it was a very difficult time. And it's not like I have anything against... like. There are things to, to comment on about clowns, historically speaking, but, like, I don't generally have a thing against clowns. It's just, like, this one. <laughs> I can't stand it. It's too it's too much for me. But I understand why people like her. So, yeah. I mean, it's totally reasonable if someone hates Satan or doesn't like clowns. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's my thing, but... I enjoy watching those movies about it and all that. I found mm -hmm. it cute also, it. So, because it's a clown. Interesting. <laughs> so, I found clowns funny. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's certain it's for me. But I also understand the annoyance in her voice. Mm -hmm. yes, I, yes, I I have to agree with that a lot. <laughs> yes, it's, it is a lot. You know, I gotta say, the actress is doing an amazing job. So now we have like a kind of another round of, you know, character focus episodes and things. But also like Satan is a member of the Waterpyoko gang. But also is like still friends with Tsubasa. And her thing is that, you know, while she's generally like a very positive character, she takes on, you know, Tsubasa's own catchphrase, which is like la la la, la 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 love, which is very cute. Yes. Uh, she does have the ability to sniff out Christmas love. So we do get like an interestingly in uh, large amount of Christmas focused episodes, technically speaking as we get closer and closer to the Christmas season. So this is like all around Christmas time and like has a peak around Christmas time, like more directly. But yeah, it's like this really interesting kind of divide between this like nature of being potentially like demonic, but also being just so full of love and everything. But yeah. So what did you think about like this kind of arc? Well, I, I love Christmas. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I love Christmas. I love clowns. I love magical girls. So everything was amazing for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird, Saturn getting along with Subasa so mm -hmm. well. All these episodes, they told me it was going to be a great evil and all that. Mm -hmm. And she just becomes a funny character for me and then she well takes the love from from Christmas like the Grinch or Scrooge or whatever this now is now a Christmas tale <laughs> and she gets kind of horrified by that. It's amazing. It's a Christmas story. It's it's so great. Mm. Satan Claus and <laughs> and all mm -hmm. that I, I really like it I really like it it's purified by the magic of Christmas like all the Christmas tales and yeah yeah for sure so I think it's really interesting it's very cute it's an interesting kind of also reversal in Phantom Mirage I know you haven't watched it yet but they do have like a kind of literal seasonal extra villain but it was summertime so it's kind of the opposite of what we have here oh interesting yeah. 
I don't know if that was like intentional or what coincidental or, or what have you, but yeah. And I do need to mention that uh, episode 21, which is the kind of beginning of a two-parter where Satan does get a, a power up uh, against her will, which is interesting. The love zero in this episode is actually a returning actress who was originally in Miracle Tunes. And so it made sense that she was the one to deliver the the kind of very funny, um, <laughs> like very sad Christmas carols was like her whole thing um, when she <laughs> became a love zero. So everyone was singing Christmas songs, um, but they were all about how they're going to be all alone on Christmas Day and stuff like that. It's it's very interesting. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The Waterpilko gang are trying to figure out what to do to like kind of keep Santan on their side and Waterpilko buys again from I think it's called Mimizon so it's like Mimi Pyoko Amazon if I recall correctly but um oh, I don't remember right yeah uh so you know the internet um but he buys what looks like a completely normal Santa Claus hat I mean in real life it is but uh in terms of the story it is going to give um Satan a power up and so Paco and Nincho offer it to her. She's not interested, but they insist. And finally, she's like, okay, I'll put on the stupid hat. And she doesn't like it, realizes she can't take it off. And then it, like, turns her into uh, Love Zero. And so she becomes Satan Claus, which is very interesting. <laughs> Again, big comedy there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're Satan close. Oh man. Yes. Yes. So Satan Claus is like it, it it's interesting kind of like like mid season villain, right? Like kind of this is like a mid season finale situation. She is taking love as her whole thing. It's like she is stealing love from people because she wants love. She wants to be loved, which is a completely, you know, natural thing. Um it's really fun how love is represented in the form of these heart shaped pillows. And um, she goes so far as to steal love directly from Tsubasa, like Tsubasa's love for her. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really intense, actually, all things considered. And the love pat realizes that they can't actually love arrest Satan Claus. Like, they don't have enough power, and so they have to figure out what to do there. But with, like, the magic of Christmas, <laughs> they are able to finally defeat her. So that's I'll finish up. That's like literally the last uh, episode of the of the year, right? That's December 2020. And so the beginning of 2021, we get a very cute kind of combination New Year's and Christmas party episode. That is also interesting because it's still Christmas themed. It's got a lot of Santas. They asked the courier to dress up as Santa and he's like, it's the middle of January, but okay, let's go ahead. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny because Paco and Nincho think that he's the real Santa and he's like huh what and they turn him into Love Zero but uh, yeah it's a cute episode then we get kind of the next round of, of uh, like personal episodes and stuff the kind of this is like the peak of all the character episodes I feel like you know because we have this whole thing with uh, Soda's uh, father coming home from uh, working abroad and it's an actually very interesting episode where like he is really against her being a love Patrina and so they have to like work out their feelings and her being like but I'm good at this and I want to do this and you just have to trust in me and stuff. It's very good. I like it a lot. 
And then they move on to uh, trying to find out about the next item because things are still going to continue powering up. So they need a new power up item and they go on a a big quest. Um, Hayato is actually able to travel to space. Uh, He he goes to Mimi Pyoko to uh, find out more information about this, which is kind of interesting. Like we don't see him go. He's like kind of just already there when it happens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. You, you, yeah. Do your stuff, I guess. Just imagine being like this teen boy who like suddenly just gets the chance to go to an alien planet <laughs> to help out some superheroes. And like <laughs> no one makes a big deal about it at all. It's just very funny. Yeah, it, it could be his own spin-off, but okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is also when we get the next power-up uh, Love Zero, the Wadu Wadu Love Zero, who is a little bit more powerful, and is also able to make other people into Love Zeros, which is pretty dangerous. I, we also need to mention that he is a very attractive magician, and Wadine is very into him. Um, it's very funny. <laughs> like, this is obviously, like, the, the kind of typical magical girl thing, right? You get the new stronger villain, you need the new power-up to defeat him. He ends up kidnapping Love Pyoko, but in episode 29, we finally get Love Pyoko Rina. Love Pyoko turns out to actually literally be the power, right? Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know. How do you feel about, like, this gets kind of arc leading to this and then also just the transformation in general. I mean, uh, well, Love Pecorina transformation sequence. It's, uh, yeah, Love Pecorina transformation sequence is just long. <laughs> <laughs> so long. That's I mean, true. Uh, uh, yeah, I was... I remember being super excited, like, yeah, the, the new power of how it will be. Uh, mm-hmm. Love goes inside the belts and starts the dancing. And, like, it's like two minutes long, if I'm not it's Yeah, wrong. again, like, they are trying to, you know, really use up that stock footage and, like, old footage, etc. in this season to save money and... It's very clear from this, you know, sequence. I totally understand if you're watching the show and you like kind of skip through this part. I think, I mean, it is cute, right? If you want to just kind of vibe with it, like they're all very, very pink and fluffy. And they have this, uh, you know, little item that they are like tapping and they're singing this song, this Love Pyoko's Arena song, just kind of like dancing and wiggling around. Um, But it does go on for quite a while. And it's like... I think that, like, in comparison to most other transformations, it is a little long, but I think it's fine. If you like it, yeah, you like yeah. it. If you don't like it, then just fast forward a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I, I really like it a lot. The, the dresses are uh, mm-hmm. super cute. They got these this years. Uh, the dance, they, the colors this time are the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's super cute, and it comes these hair shapes with a, a Lopio also dancing mm-hmm. <laughs> in her own way, and I really like it. Uh, the love occurring transformation. Uh, you <laughs> point out it it takes a while, but. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's very cute. Hmm. I don't really have any other thing to say about it. Just like, 
it's cute and i i think the other thing is like as i mentioned like the police motif is very very light considering it's in the name but once they become love pilcorina then they have literally removed the only thing that makes them police in the whole name all right i find that so interesting it's like as if the police thing is like a little literal sticker that they just peel off sometimes whenever they're doing things <laughs> I, I, yeah. I haven't realized it until now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just constantly like distancing itself despite it being in the name, I find very fascinating. But yeah, I guess because we have been chatting for, for quite a while, but just to kind of generally talk about everyone's uh, arcs, I want to say like Tsubasa's is more like tied to the main plot and stuff. Like she doesn't have a lot of like major, um, like, things that she's working on by herself like she just like loves to love for the sake of love and that's why she's a really great main character for this kind of show but uh for the others they have very interesting kind of arcs so we haven't mentioned her yet but um kohana's story is very very much centered around her grandmother who you know she she's a transfer student right and her grandmother lives in fukuoka so she can't see her anymore might sound familiar to watchers of delicious party precure but uh she gets some time to hang out with her and things but for the most part like it's very clear like she is a very important person to her in terms of her learning of how love works and also like her passion for flowers which is cute right for sure and you know so we get a few different episodes where she gets to spend time with her grandmother now this is a small thing but i have to point it out that her grandmother who is a very lovely actress from all the things I can see. You know, she's an older woman, so she's playing grandmothers, generally speaking. But around the same time that I was first watching uh, Love Pat was when the live action adaptation of Rental Girlfriends started to come out. This is very far from like Magical Girls. It's not an important series. It's a, it's a little trashy. And that's kind of why I was watching it, just to kind of see how it was playing out in live action. But this woman plays the main grandmother in that series. And if you are familiar with that series, like that grandmother is really wild and very different from this one. So seeing these two versions of her, I became like an instant fan. <laughs> oh, interesting. She's very funny and in that version of her. Like I can't even like talk about like the things she does. Like if you know the show, then you know like she's she's kind of a wild grandmother, but <laughs> Yeah, but here she's like a very sweet, kind, like kind of typical grandmother in a way, but like also has a lot of very traditional values and things. So it's very cute. And then with uh, Sarai, her relationship is like with her father, of course, who was also the main villain of the last season. Another thing I would love to point out about this show is that whenever we have these Sarai episodes, they always are talking about their mother, right? About mom. But we never meet her mother. And in the original Phantom Mirage, she doesn't have a mother. So the whole show, I was like, wow, are they? Are we going to meet her mom? Like, who is this mom? Like, I would assume, especially because they changed their surname, that maybe she's like a stepmother and they changed the family name for her family name when they got married and so on. But like... We never see her. And it's like the big mystery of this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just uh, mentioned it. And now, that's all. Yeah. I just remember the first episode that like we see them together and they start talking about mom. And I was like, mom? 
what is happening? I was so confused. I need answers. Yeah. <laughs> I still need answers. It's like, <laughs> it, it is very frustrating to me. Like, I mean, I understand why, but I just really wish we had actually gotten to see, you know, but... Yeah, and then Soda, I mentioned you know, her relationship with her father, but like also her arcs are, are more about her like relationship to her family and also about friendship and, you know, kind of feeling like she stands out among the, the other love paths in a lot of ways because she's more like interested in books and so on. But uh, I like her, her story as well when it, when it comes up. But um, yeah, do you have any other feelings about these three girls or actually even also Tsubasa? Let me see. I just felt like the character development for each one was so well done. I really felt close to each one of them. Mm. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I really like them, them growing up and all that stuff. It's I, I, I don't know. I really love them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Getting to the, I want to say the main finale, and we'll explain why in a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, episode 36, which is, I, I want to talk about later because it is problematic, but it is an episode about Lavupyoko going on a diet. And this leaves her in episode 37 to do the thing we mentioned again, like drinking 120 Lavupyoko drinks. And because of this, her powers activate. So usually what happens when she does this is like someone gets transported somewhere else in this case she herself gets transported to the uh the headquarters of of Wadipyoko gang and there she <laughs> tries very hard to pretend that she is Wadipyoko yes it's yes. very good <laughs> if i remember correctly Lopyoko and Wadipyoko were friends long time a long time ago right yes yes they grew up together mm-hmm. it, it kind the uh, kinds of remember me again precure uh, sweet precure with hummy and certain oh that makes sense yeah yeah it's it's again a similar thing but i really like this kind of trope that mm-hmm. we were friends and now we're kind of enemies but it's not the main plot <laughs> right it's just a little thing there yeah, yeah, I really like that. Uh, seeing uh, Lopyoko being evil this episode is so cute. So she cute. tries so hard, <laughs> and she's so bad at being evil. It's very fun. It's so good. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's just, it's just a very delightful, silly episode. But what's important about it is that even though like she gets found out by the end, of course, she still is able to talk to these three about, like, how she's sure that there is love in all of them, just as there is love, you know, in Wadupyoko as well. And it's there that, like, they're able to kind of figure out and think about how, you know, they all have a love, right? And so that becomes the thing of the next episode. Ninja goes out to find a love, his love, and then the other two realize that they're both interested in the same thing, which is um, comedy, uh, which in, yes. in the Japanese uh formation it's like more of a group thing than a solo thing right doing comedy what we might call stand-up comedy elsewhere is more you know monsai comedy is a group thing so they decide to go audition together and Wadapilko finds out and stops them turns them into love zeros 
And it's a very silly episode as always, but uh, by the end, they all three come together because they all three had the dream to become comedians, which is cute. I, I really like that episode. It, it was so <laughs> plot twisting, so mm -hmm. amazing seeing the villains also to grow up. It, mm -hmm. it was, oh, it's so great of an episode. And when they decide to form this Mansai group, I mm -hmm. was like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> you you go, go. I, I'm mm -hmm. rooting for you all. Yes. Yeah, I think it was cute. I think the thing is that when compared to past uh, seasons of, of Girls Heroine, those seasons were able to, uh, especially Majima Joe Pures, which is still my favorite, and uh, Phantom Mirage, they had episodes for each of the the lackeys, yes. the minions, to like focus on them becoming good. And one of them also wanted to become a comedian or, or was formerly trying to become a comedian. So it does feel like very repetitive in that way. And also like it was easier to put them all together having the same dream. But it was very nice in that like they all had the same dream. They, they stay friends and yeah. they, they still want to share that love with Wadu Pyoko. They still have love for him as well. But because they leave, they want to say goodbye, but he doesn't like show up to say goodbye to them. And instead he decides he is all alone, so he has to get power on his own. And he eats something called <laughs> called a dark carrot, which has never shown up before. But this <laughs> turns him very, very evil. In fact, he is now Waru, Waru, Waru Pyoko. And now it's time for the final battle. So, yeah. <laughs> we we get, you know, Love Petrina coming back. Even as Love Pyoko Rina, they're not able to thwart him. And he turns them into Love Zero Rina, which is very interesting. But, uh, yeah, so it's episode 39. And then in episode 40, of course, Love Pyoko is able to turn them back to good because of her love for them. And they're able to get the story behind why Wadu Pyoko feels so alone and, you know, love Pyoko. She's, she apologized so she never realized that she had made him feel that way. So they reconcile and they are able to purify him as well. And so the day is saved and all is well. And then we have eight more episodes of the show. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, everything is fine. Eh, friendship won. Everything is cute. Eh, everyone has their ending. Everything's fine. And then another episode and another one and another one. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, what's going on? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The final eight episodes are full of a ton of filler we still get to see all of the things, like we get to see them attack, etc., but always in flashback, just like we did for clip show episodes, which are something that happens a lot in this uh, series. But we meet the very the top of the uh, love pad, Edaso. Um, he is the narrator of the show. He's also the voice of Wadu Pyoko, which is very funny. But yeah. we finally get a face to the narrator, and it, it's so ridiculous and unnecessary, but it's just there. And they talk about how, like, you know, there's going to be the next mission. And the next mission is simply they have to find all the treasures of the previous uh, girls' heroines. Uh, and then also one for themselves. 
And I mean, it's very cute. We do get to see a return of all the previous girls heroines who are still associated with the girls groups. So all the members of girls girls, basically. But they're able to work into the story reasons why the other girls were missing, which is kind of funny. Because like for Miracle Tunes, the only girl who's still around is the girl who played Fuka, who's the blue. And they were like, oh, yeah, I'm just here representing because the other girls were still busy because we're still idols. You know, we can't just all show up. <laughs> and then in the case of Maji Maja Pures, they were talking about how Momoka is the Majika princess, so she can't be here. So that's why she's not yeah, around. <laughs> But otherwise, it's very cute to see like this great gathering of all the previous girls and then them getting these like interesting episodes where one by one, one of the girls goes and finds one of the items. One of the treasures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels like a, a showcase. Is this your first girl heroine series? Don't worry. <laughs> we have here a showcase. That's perfect for you, yeah. So, these are the Moji Magic Pears. <laughs> these are the Phantom Mirage. Uh, Miracle Tunes are these one. And I was, oh, okay, okay. It, this, this looks interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very silly. It does, some of times it doesn't really make any particular sense, honestly. Uh, the Moji Magic Pears one was really weird. Because, like, Kohana finds it by connecting to her grandmother and thinking about her dreams. She gets this uh, treasure, which is actually a pickled plum. But it's a dream plum, so it's fine. And then I do need to point out that for the one for Miracle, Miracle, um, Miracle Tunes, they did uh, bring back the actress who plays Warine to play a completely different character. Well, they didn't do that for the other members. I was like so confused. So I was like, oh, are we going to just see everyone just like come back to play completely random other characters? Because that's really interesting. Uh, but no. And then, no. <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> I was so confused. And it was really funny because like her character is so different and uses a completely different voice that I didn't recognize her until they had Wadine show up at the very end. And I was like, wait a second. What? <laughs> yes. It, it also helps or the makeup they use. Mm -hmm, <laughs> <But> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was very interesting. And I do want to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. But so there's all of that. And then... Um, there's the Phantom Raj treasure, of course, Sarai is the one who has to take care of that. And then for Love Pat, they had Tsubasa find that treasure, which was actually a, a novel about Love Pat written by her mother, who was a novelist. It was, you know, it was very cute. And, you know, they finally get this, like, this final treasure is like this magic button. And they click the button and it's a button to lead to Kirameki powers the next season. Yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> but it's cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, why are we doing this? This is very silly, but okay. So I don't know. Do you have any other feelings about like these final episodes? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it felt, as I, as I say, this is a showcase. So you can uh, get to know any other of the series if you already watched them. It's uh, a fantastic moment to see the cameos. If you haven't, it's a fantastic moment to see which one you will watch next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember in the final episode, the director Lobby feeling homesick. 
like, okay, this is finishing, so I'm homesick and I will go back to Mimi Pioco. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah. everyone is, oh no, and make all this surprise, not surprise party for him. And yeah. <laughs> just go. And it was really fun. If I'm not wrong, they also have a, a movie. Mm-hmm. There are only two movies in this franchise, and Love Pat is one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel it was a good closure uh, for the series, even if the last episode was like three months ago. Uh, <laughs> but no, everything, it, it was fun. It was great. And it was time for the next group to come up. Mm-hmm. And also, again, it was really interesting that the theme was re- really, really clear, and it was video games. So I was mm-hmm. really excited about it. Yeah. So what's very interesting to me is, like, literally, like, the last uh, seven or eight episodes is them finishing um, fishing, finishing up with all this stuff with, like, the previous members. It's completely unnecessary, then they started Kinemeki Powers. And then they like did this whole thing with Kinemeki Powers where they cut the episodes in half of the last few months so that Rizu Stock could start yes. in April as usual because that was kind of when they were always starting before. And I kept thinking, you know, they could have done this by starting Kinemeki Powers two months before. Like, why did we go through this, you know? And I guess I'll probably talk more about that when we talk about Kitameki Powers on the podcast, but it was like really weird for me that they made that choice. So I had to wonder what else was going on. I remember I was watching Kitameki Powers at the moment that the episodes became 12 minutes long mm-hmm. uh, around that. And it was like, okay, this, this episode is finishing really quick. And then realized that no, it was, they were shorter. So it took me by surprise, actually. I didn't know how to react to that. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting surprise that they did that, but like it just felt very strange. Um, But yeah, so before we go, because we have been chatting for quite a while, we do need to talk about the small problematic elements of this series. So just very lightly, because again, it doesn't really show up except for like stock footage mostly, but... um, the curry mode for Sarai, when she is like going into curry mode, she does do a weird thing and it's like it's very like orientalist and like because curry comes from India. So that was a little weird of a choice. I don't know how I feel about that really. Because like they also kind of do that a little bit. There's like this interesting Spanish flair to rose mode for uh, Kohana. Yes. And it's like they both are like, uh, I guess, but we didn't need to do that. Like, Rosemont, I could like, it's like referencing specific dance. I could kind of give that a little bit more of a pass, but the curry mode was like weird, a, a weird choice. Um, the way like she like bobbed her head and stuff, she didn't need to do that. Second thing is um, just talking about police as a theme. Again, it's very, very light on the police theme, like as light as they could have possibly made it and to the point where it's like, is it really police themed? It's It's very hard to say. It's like, other than the kind of titles the other Love Pat characters have in Love Pat headquarters. Like it's really very light on the motif. But um, that being said, it is important to point out like why it's not good to idolize the police in this way. Like 
Like, it's still, uh, no, propaganda, etc. I'm not going to go into why police are bad in general, because there are a million and one podcasts that talk about that, especially from the U.S., and I know most of my listeners are from the U.S., so I don't need to go into that. But just to talk about uh, in Japan in particular, so I think that there's, especially outside of Japan, there's like this there's image of Japanese police being like super nice and also like bored because there's no crime. This is not true. So uh, there is still a problem of like police brutality and also especially like racism and sexism from police in Japan, in particular in 2020, actually around the time of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement going around worldwide and, and like protests and so on. There was a case of a Kurdish man in Tokyo getting assaulted by the police that was caught on camera. That happened to be caught on camera, but uh, I know from my own experience, like I have not had good experiences with the police. Pretty much everyone I know that has a dark skin tone, whether or not they're Japanese, has experience with uh, being harassed by police a lot. I remember I met someone who was uh, Japanese and Sri Lankan specifically. I don't know him well, literally a guy I went on a date with, but uh, he uh, told me that like he was like just used to it in his daily life, needing to always have his ID on him to prove that he's Japanese and not a threat because his uh, skin is so dark that he was just always being harassed by police. And uh, I know that's also true. Um, I think last year there was another case of a, of a, a black person who got harassed by police and was able to catch on camera that they said he was suspicious because of his hair because he had dreadlocks and that's all the stuff I could quickly find in English there's there's definitely a lot more stuff about why the police are bad but very briefly <laughs> as brief as I can make it so that's why I completely understand people being really unsure about watching this series in the first place I know I also felt the same way it is again so light it is like a spritzing of police yeah i think every every country has their problems also with the police uh mm. is not maybe the best uh, anywhere <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I didn't knew it was also so problematic there uh, and sorry to hear that i just want to also finish up just the problematic corner with talking about the fat phobia so there's like this kind of like mixed bag here which is interesting so i just need to talk about like the two episodes that kind of approach this to me so the first is like i mentioned love uh, pyoko going on a diet so hmm. this is a really weird episode where um she just gets like very excited and eats a lot apparently and she gets fat and so she literally is like the puppet is this large just very weird looking fat love Pyoko and everyone is so uh, shocked and it's a whole thing about how she needs to like go on a diet and in Japanese diet means diet and exercise so she is also exercising we see her like doing a whole montage inside the the love pet skyrie and it's just like not good generally these kind of episodes are are not good messages for kids so that needs to be pointed out but on the other hand Later, um, as I mentioned, when they reborrow uh, Warine's uh, Warine's actress um, for the episode with uh, Miracle Tunes and finding the Miracle Tunes uh, special item, Warine's actress, she is fat, right? She's a fat woman. She's great. Again, I love her. It's like I want to see her in more stuff for this episode. She plays the Miracle Miracle um, 
dance coach. So she's like very clearly being shown as like very athletic and cool and stuff. And it's like a really yes. great representation, I feel like, which yes. is so interesting because it feels like such a throwaway episode in other ways. And it's just like they don't question it. Like they never like comment on the fact that she is fat. She just is. And I think that's really good. So it's like really weird that like these two episodes happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually weird. But yeah, and, and with Warren, it's just no. It's it's her. Is our coach, and she's amazing. And that's all we are going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, and she was great again. I was like, oh, I want to see like this character all the time. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's all the. The stuff I wanted to point out that I found to be problematic. But uh, was there anything else that you had uh, noticed or wanted to mention? No, for the problematic part, I was uh, mostly concerned about um, the fat phobia in episode uh, 36. And, mm-hmm. and well, I was hoping to hear also about them, the problematic with uh, the policeman you already uh, told yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, with the police thing, it's like, I feel like I could understand different people have different feelings about police and think it's okay to showcase police being good in media, etc. I think that it's important to keep in mind the difference between how police are shown in media versus how they are in real life. Yes. We do have one episode where one of the love zeros is a policeman which is an interesting episode because his like way that he is a good policeman doesn't actually have anything to do with being a policeman. He's just being a nice guy. Yeah, he's just <laughs> being nice. <laughs> you know, so that was that was interesting. Um like he is doing something like he's very good clearly at, you know, talking to children and stuff, but he doesn't need to be a police officer to have a job where he's good at like communicating with children, etc. So yeah, it was interesting. So there was that. But like, other than that, like, it's like never comes up again. They don't like talk about the police in that way or anything. So it just it's just so interesting again, because Phantom Mirage was the season before and was so clearly giving this kind of like anti-police lesson and things. And I don't know when they decided to go for a police motif series. I don't I feel like saying motif is stronger than theme for love pat because it's it's mostly just visual and like even then it's very light so um because i know that like toy making and stuff happened so early that like they must have planned this a lot earlier than we might expect but in any case yeah so that was that we are down to our final question (laughs) after all this time which is, do you have a magical persona for yourself? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. It's complicated. I mean, as I told you, I have kind of imagined myself as a magical girl a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. But in my personal uh, gender fluid case, uh, sometimes it feels like I don't belong in the magical girls, even if I want to. But mm. I also don't belong in the magical boys, mostly because usually they're portrayed as a mockery of, or a parody. So mm. that kind of stopped doing uh, uh, me, kind of stopped me doing so. 
Mm, but I don't know. <laughs> so, so that's maybe, fair. Yeah. Maybe if I imagine something, it would be something like a shapeshifter or similar hmm. that one day come as a girl in a frilly costume or a boy in some action clothes and then a boy in a frilly costume and a girl in an action clothes. I Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Definitely, why yeah. not? I think, yeah, again, I mean, we talk about representation in Magical Girls all the time, but you definitely, we should be able to to see characters like that, you know, and, and gender-fluid people deserve to be magical too, so... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, maybe something like like character Yui when she changed clothes uh, with mm. uh, elements and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Something like that. But not only you change your clothes about your appearance or maybe how are you feeling at the moment. I don't know. Maybe going mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, great. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with me for so long about Love That. <laughs> no, thank you for inviting me. I mean, I love Love That a lot, a lot. I th <laughs> Thanks to the Girls Hearing franchise, I even started doing my nails. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yes, I saw they have so good manicure each mm -hmm. season is so amazing so it was an inspiration too <laughs> and yeah. i love this franchise uh, to be it mm -hmm. uh, so i'm really really grateful to be invited today yeah so thank you again for coming on and uh where can people find you and follow you online to talk about love pat and other magical girls Okay, I have uh, Twitter and Instagram and, well, almost everything I have. Uh, Danielu Huli is uh, how you could find me. And mm -hmm. in Instagram, I used to make bentos also. Mm. I have stopped uh, temporarily. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where I most talk about magical girls are Instagram and Twitter. But hmm. be aware that I Twitter, Twitter, I also use it for Pokemon, like a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> can find Sounds me there. Good. Okay, great. So thank you again for coming on, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. I hope yeah, you also have a good rest of the night there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not too late. So sorry. <laughs> Oh no, no problem. <laughs> Whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats, over two years of magical content and counting. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O. 
WS. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next time.